Greetings to all that are listening. I do greet you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God. To those that are listening and to those that have tuned in, it is definitely a pleasure to be back again with you all. So, in this particular episode, I want to take my time and I want to just take a stroll through the park. Glory to God, because many times people may say, man, like your episodes are long. And I heard that, you know, like some people say, man, like your episodes are so long. And if I'm being honest, I struggle with being able to just take a teaching and just smash it into 10 minutes. I'm not so good at that because that was my upbringing, you know, coming up, uh, going to a certain verse, going to um, a certain scripture and saying, here's a scripture. And then we just start speaking in tongues and running up and down the aisles and putting on a show. And we never truly examined the context. We never truly analyzed what the word of truth is actually saying we just take that one scripture and many times we often misinterpreted it so as i teach on this podcast i want individuals to get a full and holistic view i want the people of god to actually understand and retain the scriptures and the word of god there has to come a point as believers when you are not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine where where you're very unstable because you're hearing all these different opinions, right? You're hearing all these different teachings and you just don't know what to believe. That's why we have to come back to the word of the Lord. We may have to take time off social media. You may have to take time off YouTube. And you have to return to the word of the Lord. And you have to study the word of the Lord. And you have to ensure, and I always say this, that what you believe can be read in scripture. And this actually leads into what I want to talk about today. Coming up in oneness, and I know many Trinitarians, uh, they use this verse unrighteously. They use it to their own damnation as well, along with those of the oneness faith. And I say that in the most humble way as possible because they just don't understand it. Because what they do is that they seek for teachers that will itch their ears with what they want to hear. I could go to a oneness person or a Trinitarian person and say, hey, you know, here's what the word of the Lord is saying. You know, like here's what John 17, 3 says, right? Here's what 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and that verse 6 says, right? Here's what all these different scriptures say, but here's what they do. Instead of them accepting the word of the Lord, instead of them accepting what the scriptures state, especially about the Son of God, they go on YouTube or they go online to try and find a preacher that matches their belief. And they try to find a sermon that actually uh, tries to explain their belief aside from what the word of the Lord states. So what I wanted to discuss and the verse that a lot of them use um, to their own destruction is John chapter 10 and that verse 30. And many of you guys are familiar with that scripture where the Lord Jesus Christ stated, I and my father are one. Now, I could easily give you that scripture right now. Boom. And then I could easily leave and say, glory to God. Jesus Christ is God, the father or Jesus Christ is God, the son or Jesus Christ is a part of a trinity. I could easily just take that verse and say, John chapter 10 and that verse 30 states, I and my father are one God, or I and my father are a part of the Trinity. But unfortunately, the scriptures never said no such thing. The scripture clearly stated in John chapter 10 and that verse 30 that I and my father are one. But you see, if we just take that verse, if we just take that verse and isolate it from the whole context of John chapter 10, we'll end up misinterpreting the verse and lying to a lot of people. And that's what has happened in the religious world. They've taken John chapter 10 and that verse 30, and they've just spewed it out and said, I and my father are one. Glory to God. So that means that Jesus Christ is the most high God. That's what they've been doing. 
but I want you to come back to the word of the Lord. And I want you to study the word of God. And let's get the full and holistic context of John chapter 10. Because I've had my rounds. I've had my times when I went and I preached false doctrine, especially from this verse. And I'll be honest. I preached John chapter 10 and that verse 30 from the influence of what I was taught in the apostolic faith. What I was taught in oneness. When I would read these scriptures, and you guys could actually go and listen to my episode um, spiritually blind or spiritual blindness actually when I read these scriptures I had to read them through a certain lens you know like I couldn't just read it for what it says or get the whole context and I had to continue to separate the scriptures and say oh so I and my father are one means that Jesus Christ is the father and when Jesus spoke of the father he was simply speaking of his divine nature and that when Jesus spoke of the son of man that he was speaking of his flesh that's how we had to perceive the scriptures because we were spiritually blind we were ignorant of what the word of the Lord was saying but now when we come to these scriptures and when we remove ourselves from religion when we remove ourselves from denomination and when we remove ourselves from tradition Glory to God, then God can reveal to us his word. Not according to what these guys on Instagram preach or what these guys that have major followings on Instagram and uh, YouTube, what they teach, but according to what the word of the Lord says. Because the word of the Lord makes it very clear that not a lot of people will come into the knowledge of the truth. A lot of people will continue to go after prophets and go after teachers and go after pastors that will match their belief. If they want a teaching that states that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, they'll flock to those teachers. If they want a teaching that tries to uh, 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 teach a trinity, they'll try and find teachers that match that teaching. But when it comes to actually exploring what the word of the Lord says with no external influence, they won't take that because they want to grow in what they've been taught from men. And I'm not saying that um, having teachers or being taught by people is a bad thing. But you have to understand that there has to come a time to where you have to look at your pastor, your bishop or whoever, your apostle and say, you know, what you're teaching, I can't find in the word of God. I see so many times and guys, forgive me, keep your finger in John chapter 10. I see so many times when people claim to be apostles and prophets, but yet they're Trinitarians or yet they're oneness. They teach a different gospel other than what the apostles preached in the book of Acts. And they teach a different gospel or they teach something about God that not even Jesus Christ professed about God the Father himself. They teach something that is different than the word of God. But because they see signs, miracles and wonders, they flock to it. And it's unfortunate because it shouldn't be that way. We should examine somebody that calls himself a teacher, um, somebody that calls himself a spiritual leader, or somebody that considers himself a minister in the Christian faith. We should examine them based on their doctrine, not based on how many demons they cast out. It doesn't matter if they're raising people from the dead. It doesn't matter if they're baptizing 5,000 people a year in the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if they lay hands on people and they receive the Holy Spirit. What matters is that we come back and we make sure that what they're teaching is written in the word of the Lord. If what I'm teaching isn't written, then shut me off. And I say that in the most humble way as possible. Because everything that I teach 
has to be aligned with scripture. I don't feel comfortable just coming on here and spewing. It's a mystery. You see, you have to come and get this revelation of Jesus Christ, how Jesus Christ was half man and half God and how God left his throne and took on flesh and called himself a son. And then he walked in that jacket of flesh, you know, and a bunch of junk that came from religious men and organizations throughout time. Nah. The word of God is just simple, man, and we believe it. But we have to ensure that we get the full context of what the word of the Lord is saying. We can't just isolate verses. So without further ado, let's get into the word of the Lord. So in John chapter 10 and at verse 30, I want to scoot up a bit, okay? I want to get um, just a better understanding. So we could actually start at John chapter 10, and we could actually start at verse 11, because we actually have to move around a bit through these scriptures. So let's go John chapter 10 and at verse 11. So Jesus Christ said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is in hireling and not the shepherd, at verse 12, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. At verse 13, the hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. At verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Now listen to this at verse 15. The scripture states, as the father knoweth me, even so know I the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. At verse 17, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. At verse 18, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. At verse 19, there was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these things. At verse 20, and many of them said, he hath the devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, these are not the words of him that hath the devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? At verse 22, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt if thou be the Christ? Tell us plainly. Hold on. Before I move any further, I'll put your finger there at verse 24. They said, how long do you make us doubt? Why are you making us doubt, Jesus? If you are the Christ, if you are the anointed one, if you are the Messiah, if you are the Mashiach, just tell us to our face. Like, why are you leaving us in suspense? And I want you to look at what Jesus Christ said. At verse 25, it says, Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not the works that I do in my father's name. They bear witness of me. Before we move forward, I want you to understand that throughout the New Testament, particularly in the four Gospels, Jesus Christ professed to be the son of God, the Christ. He never made the profession that he was the father. He never made the profession that he was a part of a trinity or that he was an angel. He made the profession that he came out from God, that he came from God, that he was sent from God, and that he was God's only begotten son. That's what he testified. 
some of Jesus' statements, they may have misinterpreted him, and we're actually going to go down to John chapter 10 and that verse 30, and we're actually going to see, uh, glory to God, what they actually thought Jesus was saying compared to what Jesus Christ actually said. Because a lot of times, and once we get there, you will see, I hear from a lot of believers they claim that, oh, the Pharisees said that Jesus made himself God, or the Jews, to be exact. They said that the Jews said that Jesus claimed to be God. So that means that he is the Father. That's what they say. But I want you to take notice. If you're going to believe everything that the Pharisees or the Jews said concerning Jesus Christ, then do you believe uh, when they said that Jesus Christ had a devil? Do you believe when they said that Jesus Christ casted out demons by Beelzebub? Do you believe that too? Or are you only going to select and choose what you want to believe from the Jews when it's most convenient to your doctrine and your belief? When Jesus Christ made the profession, when he went around healing the sick, when he went to cast out demons and he looked and said, Thou art the Son of God. And even the demons knew that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, but yet the preachers don't. And even when we look at his disciples and those that Jesus came in contact with, they always said, We know that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, the one that should come into the world. When we look at John chapter 11, when Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, Martha looked at Jesus and said, We believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. The reason why I'm saying all of that is because today there's a doubt in the people of God's mind, in their head. They're questioning, is Jesus really just the Son of God? So then they try to make Jesus something that he never claimed to be. But throughout the scriptures, they always professed. And they weren't ashamed of it. And that's why I'm not ashamed of it. They made the profession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is the Messiah. So let's finish reading. So... In uh, John chapter 10 and at verse 25, the scripture states, Jesus answered them, I told you when ye believe not the works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Those that are listening and keep your finger there at verse 26. Whether you are oneness, you are Jehovah witness, you are a Mormon, a Muslim. Question your faith. Not your faith in God. No, don't do that. But question your doctrinal faith, your doctrinal belief. Say, how is it that, you know, I'm reading the scriptures, but yet I'm coming to a different conclusion that none of the apostles came to? You have to question and ask, saying, am I a part of Jesus' sheep? Am I a part of the sheepfold? Because if you belong to the sheepfold of Tertullian, Sibelius, um, Joseph Smith, the founder of the Jehovah Witness organization, Charles Russell, I believe his name is, I could be wrong. If you belong to them, then you'll hear their voice. You'll run to them. You'll run to the stranger. But if you belong to the sheepfold of Jesus Christ, you'll hear his profession. You'll hear his belief. You'll hear his doctrine because his doctrine didn't come from him. It came from God. And he spoke the words of God. He spoke the truth that he heard from God. And he delivered that unto us. So when you reject the teachings of Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ said that the Father is the only true God, when you reject that teaching that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he's the Father's only begotten, and when you reject the teaching that states that we are to love him that begot and he that is begotten of him that begat, when you reject that teaching and say, oh, that's just referring to his humanity, because when God had to become a man, he had to, he had to be called a son. He had to be called the son of man because in his incarnation, he had to take on the role 
of the son of Adam. He had to take on the role of being David's son. But in his deity side, he's God Almighty. Where do you read that in the scriptures? But that's what happens when you begin to pervert the word of the Lord. Because you don't hear the words of Jesus Christ. You don't hear his teachings. You don't hear his voice because there's a chance that you're not a part of the flock. Now, can I say that you're not a part of the flock at all? I can't say that because I was once lost too. I was once dabbling in falsehood. And matter of fact, I said it before, I was preaching a false doctrine. But when God revealed his son in me, I have no choice but to preach Jesus Christ. And that's all we do on this podcast. We might preach a little bit about women preachers here, and then we might preach a little bit about baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And then we might preach a little bit about things that are happening in this world. And then, of course, we'll preach on sin. But glory to God, I have to preach the risen one. I have to preach Jesus. And that's why all I do is that I preach Jesus so that the people of God can get an understanding of who he is. It is a beautiful thing knowing that the people of God are rich in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they understand who their Savior and their Lord is. Because it doesn't matter what you accumulate in this earth while you're here for this little time it doesn't matter if you live to 25 or if you live to 100 what matters is that you are rich in the knowledge of who your savior is i could preach on holiness and sin but if i don't preach jesus it makes no sense i have to preach him woe unto me if i don't preach him he is the only thing that matters a lot of folks run to a ton of different advanced doctrines they want to be able to prophesy. They want to be able to do all of these different things. But when it comes to the simplicity of understanding who Jesus Christ is, they toss it away. They throw it in the garbage and just disregard it and say he's a part of the Trinity. And then they continue caring about. But do you realize that what you believe about Jesus matters? Don't you understand that if your belief about Jesus Christ is wrong, then you cannot be saved? John ended the gospel of John. He ended it by saying these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life through his name. Taking the belief of Jesus Christ and just putting it aside and saying, ah, as long as I believe, you know, that Jesus Christ is the savior. That's it. That's good. But you have to also believe that he's the son of God. And you must be steadfast and rooted in that belief. You cannot be wavering. And that's what we have to come back to. We have to come back to the simplicity of the doctrine of Christ. We have to come back to what was written before we were born. Because believing in another Jesus, believing in a different Jesus that was not preached, you put your soul in jeopardy. You put your soul in significant jeopardy, man. And that's why I continue to just preach the Son of God. I want to see the people of God come into the understanding of Jesus Christ, man. So let's get back to the word of the Lord. So we just finished up at verse 27. So let's get into verse 28. So the scripture states, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now I want you to listen to this at verse 30. I and my Father are one. If you weren't able to pick up the full context, I suggest that you read over John chapter 10 again. But after Jesus said, after his statement, basically saying that I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And that verse 29, my father, which gave them me. So the father, which gave them to me, the father, which gave me these sheep, he's greater than all. I want you to hear that Trinitarians and oneness, the father is greater than all. Jesus said that he that is sent 
is not greater than he who sent him. So Jesus said that the father is greater than all. Why? Because the father sent him and the father is the only God, the only true God, the only most high God. He's greater than all. He's greater than all flesh. He's the God of all spirits. He's the only one. So Jesus said, my father, which gave them me is greater than all. He has no equals. And he said, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. So no man is able to pluck them out of Jesus's hand. And no man is able to pluck them out of the father's hand. And Jesus summarizes what he's saying by saying, I and my father are one. Now, what does he mean? But before we get that, I want to jump down a few verses. And I want you to see how a lot of modern day believers are acting like the Jews in John chapter 10. So after Jesus Christ said, I and my father are one at verse 31, it says, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. At verse 32, Jesus answered them many good works, which I have showed you from my father. For which of those works do ye stone me? At verse 33, the Jews answered, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Now, I want you to understand this. Even the Jews understood that a man cannot be God. But yet, you read that verse and you say the Jews wanted to stone him because he's claiming he's God. The Jews themselves, they understood that a man could not be God. So let's continue reading. At verse 34, they said, Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods. At verse 35, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the father has sanctified and set into the world. Thou blasphemous because I said, I am the son of God. If I do not the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do Though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. I want you to pay attention to that and I want to actually read that again for you. And I want to go slow before I actually go any further into just analyzing I and my Father are one because that's the focus. Because I don't want you just going along with the modern day religious doctrinal junk and taking that and saying, oh, this means that Jesus Christ is a part of the Trinity. Or, oh, this means that Jesus Christ is the Father. No. Let's just set the foundation, okay, before we move on. You know, we have to analyze John chapter 10, then we'll move on. So let's read this again. He said, is it not written in your law? I said, ye are gods. So Jesus is basically saying, so you're uh, saying that I blaspheme because you're saying that I made myself God. But even if I were doing that, isn't it written in your law that ye are gods? So at verse 35, he's saying if he and he's talking about God, the father, God is the father, the father is God. So he's saying if he who's he God. So if God called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him. So check this out. He's saying if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. If so, he's saying if he called those people gods, you're saying to me. I'm the one whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world. Thou blasphemous, because I said I am the Son of God. So he's saying he called them gods. And you're saying of me, whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, that thou blasphemous, because I said I am the Son of God. So he's saying he called them gods, but I'm saying that I'm the son of God. And you're saying that I blaspheme because I said that I'm the son of God. Jesus said that if I do not the works of my father 
believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Again, they claim that Jesus Christ was making himself his own father like the UPC and the oneness people do. But Jesus, man, he cleared that up and said, you're saying that I blaspheme because I said that I'm the son of God and that the father sanctified me and sent me into the world. Jesus is basically saying, how did I blaspheme? But you see, when it comes down to the religious mindset, that's what they do. They misinterpret and twist the words of Jesus. So now that we see where Jesus said, I and my father are one and Jesus cleared it up because he said, I'm God's son. He wasn't saying that he was the father. Oh, no, he wasn't saying that because his father is a spirit and Jesus is a man. So Jesus wasn't saying that. But after Jesus cleared up, after I and my father are one and the Jews, they wanted to stone him because the Jews knew like, dude, you're a man and you're claiming that you are God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. They're saying that we know from our scriptures, basically and essentially that God is not flesh, that God is not a man, that God is a spirit. So basically, when Jesus Christ clarified that up and said, you know, I am the son of God. Now we have to go and see them. What is Jesus saying by I and my father are one? Now, if we just go six chapters over to John chapter 17, and if we go to John chapter 17, and if you actually start at verse 7, and then we could actually go down to verse 22, you could actually understand what Jesus Christ meant when he said, I and my father are one. And I want you to see how clear it is, how crystal clear, right? And then after this, we could actually go to 1 Corinthians where Paul actually spoke of him and Apollos, how they are one. So let's go through the word of the Lord and see what the word of the Lord is saying. So John chapter 17 and that verse 7 states now. They have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Didn't I say this before? Glory to God that Jesus Christ, he always uh, professed and preached, and that he desired for people to know that he came out from God and that God sent him. I always say this. So let's continue going. And at verse 10, or actually at verse 9, it says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world that I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. So we are to be one as Jesus is one with the Father. So if I have a brother, if I have a brother in the Lord named Reggie, right, and I'm supposed to be one with brother Reggie as Jesus is one with the Father. So does that mean that I am Reggie and that Reggie is Dave? No. What it means is that Dave and Reggie should be on one accord. They should be in agreement that they should be on and in the same mind. And not only should they be on the same mind, but they should also uh, be on the same agenda and they should all be working towards the same mission, which is building the kingdom of God, saving souls. The same thing that Jesus sent the disciples or the apostles to do. He sent them into the world and said, preach the gospel to every creature, preach it to every creature. Creature And when the apostles went out, they were on one accord. 
working towards the same mission, working to fulfill the great commission, working to build the kingdom of God. They work together and listen to the commandments of the Lord Jesus Christ on what to do, where to go. And they were obedient the same way how Jesus Christ was obedient to the Father, the same way how we are supposed to be obedient to Jesus. Jesus Christ, he lives by the Father, and now we come and we live by Jesus Christ. But that's for another episode. So I want to come back to verse 11, and I want you to see where Jesus Christ said, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me that they may be one as we are. And that's verse 11. So we are to be one as Jesus and the Father are one. Now, I want you to think about that. When the scriptures make it clear that we are to be one as Jesus and the Father are one. So Jesus is praying for the church. He's praying for us in the body of Christ. He's saying that we are all supposed to be one. That there shouldn't, you know, be no conflicts, no divisions, but that we should all be on one accord. The same way how Jesus was on one accord with his father. Now, let's keep on dropping down and let's continue reading. It says, while I was with them in the world and I kept them in thy name, those that thou gavest me, I have kept and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. At verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. At verse 18, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. Amen. Let me just cut right there. The same way how the Father sent Jesus into the world is the same way how Jesus Christ sends us into the world to preach the gospel. It's simple. God sent Jesus. Jesus lives by the Father. Jesus sends us. We live by Jesus. Without Jesus, we can't do nothing. We can't do anything without Jesus Christ unless we have him. That's why it's imperative that you know who he is. So the scripture states at verse uh, 18 and that's where we just read so it says and let me read that over as thou has sent me into the world even so have I also sent them into the world now verse 19 and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word now verse 20 Jesus Christ and I want to just break this down a bit neither pray I for these alone but for them which also shall believe on me through their word so Jesus prayed for me. He prayed for you too. He prayed for those that would believe on who? On the Son of God, on Jesus, based on the word of the apostles. So when people go and say that you blaspheme or people say that you're not a true Christian because you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, let them know that Jesus Christ prayed for you. And I personally believe that Jesus understood the hatred and the backlash that we would get for believing who he is according to the word of God, that we'd be hated simply because we hold that belief of the one God and the one Lord Jesus Christ. It's beautiful, man. It's a beautiful doctrine and it brings peace when you understand who Jesus is. So, at verse 21, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me. Here goes Jesus saying it again at verse 21. Come on, guys, let's get back to it. It says, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, 
that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus said that the world may believe that you sent me. Wow. Hallelujah. And at verse 22, it states, And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. So again, we are to be one, as Jesus and the Father are one. It's not that difficult. Just believe it. We are to be one, as Jesus and his Father are are one praise god i hope that you're just following me and just believing what's written in the word of god i don't mean to overcomplicate it i don't mean to just you know make it difficult for you to understand but it's just so clear we are to be one us as believers us as disciples of the lord jesus we are to be one as the lord jesus christ and his god and father are one and like i gave before that example if I have brothers and sisters in the body of Christ and Jesus said that we are supposed to be one. And like I gave the example before of Brother Reggie, you got Brother Derek, um, you have Brother Jake. You have a lot of different brothers and I'm just giving examples. For example, you might have some sisters, Sister Ashley, Sister Unique, Sister Sarah. You might have a ton of different sisters. And Jesus said that we are supposed to be one as Jesus and his father are one. So if I'm supposed to be one with them and the Trinitarians and oneness are saying that when he said that they are one or that he is one with his father. If the Trinitarians and oneness are saying that what that means is that he is God alongside his father or that that means that he is the father because he is one with the father. Like I said, that would mean that I am my brothers in the Lord or my brothers in the Lord are me. If that's what you're saying, Mr. Oneness or Miss Oneness, or Mr. Trinitarian and Miss Trinitarian. That's what you're essentially saying. And for the brothers that are married, how would you feel if I came and started calling you by your wife's name, right? Because you and your wife are one, right? So if you're saying that every time that the scripture states, or every time that Jesus Christ said, we are one, or I and my father are one, that that makes Jesus Christ a father, then that means that you are your wife, right? So why aren't you wearing a skirt? Why aren't you wearing a dress, right? Because you know better. You know better. Why aren't you wearing a feminine apparel or a female apparel? Why aren't you doing that? Because you know that you are the man, you are the husband, and that your wife is a woman and that she is not a man. And that though you guys are distinct, you guys are not the same person. You guys are separate. You guys are still on one accord and you guys are still one especially in the spirit, particularly in the spirit. And you guys could actually go and listen to my other episode on divorce and remarriage. You have to understand that you can't just pick and choose what you want the scriptures to say. You can't read the verse that says a man leaves his mother and father and cleaves into his wife and they become one flesh, right? You can't read that and say, oh, that means something different. But when Jesus Christ said that I and my father are one, oh, that means that Jesus Christ is making himself to be God the father. No, it's not saying that. So we can't just pick and choose because if you're saying that, like I said, then you're essentially stating that your wife is you and that you are your wife. 
But you know better. You know that's not what it means. And even in these scriptures that I just gave you in John chapter 17, you know that I am not my brothers in the Lord and that my brothers in the Lord are not me and that my sisters in the Lord are not me and that I am not my sisters in the Lord. But yet we are one. How are we one? We are one in purpose. We are on the same accord and we are on the same mission. We are one. It's simple. You know, like sometimes I can't even uh, gather the words to say to better explain it. It's just it's plain. It's in the word of the Lord. So we could actually move forward and we could actually go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want you to check this out. I want you to see the word of the Lord here. And I want you to see how Paul, he also used it. Now I actually want to start uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and at verse 5. Paul said, who then is Paul? And who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. At verse 6, he said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I want you to notice that God gives the increase. Not your pastor, not your so-called apostle, not your prophet. He doesn't give the increase. God gives the increase. We are laborers in the field. We work in the field and God will give the increase. Glory to God, the scripture states that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. We are simply laborers for the Lord. We're not building the kingdom to say that it's ours. No, we're laboring in the kingdom to build the kingdom for the son of God that is coming. We're about our father's business. We have to work while it is day because the nighttime is coming when no man can work. Glory to God. We're simply laborers. Don't be puffed up. Don't be so arrogant and think that you're better than everybody. Some people become a bishop, pastor, and, and a lot of these people take on the title apostle. Then all of a sudden they don't want to be called a brother no more. They think that they're too good for that now. They don't want to be a brother. No, like they want to be exalted. They want to have the best seat in the church. You know, like they want everybody to look at them and say, oh, that's the man of God. Oh, man, that's the one that's hearing from God. You know, and then they begin to idolize that person and put them above what they truly are. And who are they? They're a man. They're a human being. They have flaws. But you have to remember that we are laborers that we are nobody. Jesus Christ came and he didn't come to build a reputation. Every time that they tried to make him a king, every time that they tried to make him known, he departed. And scripture states that he went into the mountains. Every time that they wanted to make him a king or like try to uh, try to make him something, he, he, he didn't want that. He didn't want praise of men. Why? Because he knew that his praise came from his father, that his father honored him. So these men today, they want the honor of men. They want to be seen of men, but then they forget that we are laborers. You cannot build this kingdom to say that it is yours. You are not building this kingdom so that you can get the credit and glory. It is not about you. You are a servant. You are a laborer doing the work of your Lord. Because if you lose focus, you already have your reward and you won't get a reward from the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns because you already got your reward. And what is your reward? The praise of men. You love to be seen of men. That's what you like. Or not you, but many people like to be seen by men that's why they post videos on instagram and twitter of them praying and them preaching and doing all these things because they want the retweets and likes they don't want to just accept that we are laborers it's not about building a name for ourselves but we must decrease while jesus christ increases so let's continue going so at verse 7 it says so then neither is he that planted anything neither he that watereth but god that giveth the increase at verse 8 now, he that planteth and he that watereth 
are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So, let's back up to verse 6. I have planted. Who is the I? It's Paul. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now we drop down to verse 8. He says, now he that planted, now who planted? We just read in verse 6 that Paul planted. And he that watereth, we just read that Apollos watered. The scripture says that they are one. So let me leave off with this. Is Apollos Paul? And is Paul Apollos? I know that you'll say no to that. So I want you to go through the scriptures and I want you to study the word of the Lord again very carefully. I want you to go through it and actually ponder and say, I see that Jesus Christ said that I and my father are one. But what is Jesus Christ actually saying? Because the most dangerous thing that we could do is misinterpret what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying like I did. And um, for majority of my baby days in Christ, I spent a lot of my days in the oneness phase misinterpreting uh, the word of God. I used to, prior to me recreating and just doing everything over on this podcast, I used to go by the name One Way Truth. And the reason why I changed it was because back when I was preaching, I was preaching a ton of apostolic lies. And I was calling myself the One Way Truth. And when God opened my eyes to who his son is, I deleted every last one of my episodes and I started over. And now this podcast is the podcast of Jesus Christ because he gets all the glory. And now I understand who he is. So all we do is we preach and we declare him and we exalt him. And I want to teach the people and break the yoke of bondage of every believer that is trapped in falsehood. Every believer that is trapped in falsehood. You're the reason why I'm teaching because I want you to come out of it and I want you to see the marvelous light. You need to come out of bondage. You need to come out from the Trinitarian bondage, the oneness bondage. The Jehovah Witness bondage, the Mormon bondage. You need to come out of the bondage and come into the light. And that's why I'm doing this. So the scripture that we just went over, John chapter 10, now verse 30. I hope you understand what Jesus Christ means by I and my father are one. Exclude denominational influence, the influence of the leaders and YouTube ministries. And just come back to the simplicity of the word of the Lord to just see what the word of God is saying. They just believe what Jesus Christ was saying and who Jesus Christ said he is, that he is the son of God. That's all that we can do. All we can do is preach the son of God. All we can do is preach the one that the father sent. And as we preach, glory to God, God will give the increase. And I see the fruit. People are coming into the knowledge of the son of God. Their knowledge is increasing of who Jesus Christ is. And they're reading the scriptures and they're finding that peace and they're finally seeing what the Bible actually means when the scripture states that there is but one God, the Father, and one Lord, Jesus Christ. Now the Bible is just trying to make sense to them. And that's all that I could do is just teach the people of God and let the seeds fall. But if you want to reject it, call me a false prophet, say, David don't know what he's talking about, David has no revelation, that's fine. Go ahead, speak. Because I know that what I'm doing is that I'm preaching out of the word of God. And that what we preach here, what we teach here, the Son of God, you can't condemn this teaching. Glory to God. Because when people hear the teaching of the Son of God, when you hear the teaching of the Son of God, when you hear these words of who Jesus Christ is, the same words that I speak from the word of the Lord. I'm just a vessel. The words that I speak is coming from the scripture. So the words that I'm speaking unto you will judge you on judgment day. Now, what do I mean? If I come and I say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and then you go and turn 
and say, oh, Jesus Christ is God the Father, glory to God. What are you going to say on Judgment Day when you stand before the Lord and you have to give an account for your lies and your false belief when the truth has come unto you? What are you going to say then? You can't say much. But to those that have an ear to hear, listen to what the word of God is saying. Listen to this truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The scripture says that he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Let the Lord Jesus Christ free you from bondage and the lies of the oneness and Trinitarians and the Jehovah Witnesses, the Muslims, the Mormons. Let him free you from that. Those organizations and groups that misinterpret the word of God to their own damnation. Instead of just believing what's clearly written in the word of the Lord. Now we pray for these guys. We pray for them. And we ask the Lord to open up their understanding. We ask the Lord that he will grant unto them repentance to see the truth. That he may reveal his son in them. But once somebody is ignorant and completely rejects the truth, even though they heard it because they just don't like it, they feel that saying that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is demeaning him, is demoting him, that's okay. That's fine. Because you'll have to give an account to God. There's no excuse. There's nothing that you can do when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Because you didn't want to believe the record that God gave of his son. You didn't want to believe it. You wanted to believe the record of Jesus from Tertullian, Sibelius, and these other organizations. But not the record that God left of Jesus Christ. So, as I wrap up, again, I just want to say thank you all for listening. I, I want to say that I'm working on a few more episodes. You know, I have a lot in the works. I'm looking to bring some brothers on here. To have some great talk soon but i appreciate all the support i appreciate all of those that reach out and say that they enjoy the podcast you know god bless you you know like i'm truly appreciative that individuals are actually listening and learning something about jesus christ it just feels good to know that the lord could just use me as a vessel to actually reach people internationally as well you know, and even domestically here in the United States, because there is a famine of the word of the Lord in the land. And it's on us who believe the word of God to preach the truth. It doesn't matter where you're located. It doesn't matter if you're in India, Pakistan, North Korea, Iran, Iraq, Nigeria. It doesn't matter. I'm going to preach the gospel to you and you're going to hear the word of the Lord and you will be freed from your bondage, from the lies that you have been brought up in, whether you're a Muslim whether you're a part of any other religion, you'll be freed from those bondages if you just open the door and let Jesus Christ come in. And if you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you repent of your sins, if you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, and if you live a holy life and continue in this doctrine, continue in the Apostles' doctrine, not Davian's doctrine, glory to God, but the Apostles' doctrine, because the Apostles' doctrine is Jesus' doctrine, and Jesus' doctrine is God's doctrine. When you continue in that doctrine and walk in that doctrine and believe what the apostles preach concerning Jesus Christ, that he was a man approved of God, that he's the son of God, that he's the son of the highest. When you believe that message and that truth and you continue in it, you'll save yourself. So thank you all for listening and be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ.